Hello, everybody. My name is Larry Dobrow. I'm MMM's executive editor, and I'd like to welcome you to a sponsored MMM podcast with Very Well. Today, we're going to be talking about aligning content to consumer needs during a time of disruption. Um, obviously, the last nine months have been chaotic in ways that none of us have experienced before. And Very Well's GMs, Rachel Berman and Rob Parisi, are going to walk us through some of the changes that have happened with our content consumption and um, some of the needs that have changed over the course of the last couple of months. Uh, Rob and Rachel, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Thanks for having us. Hi, Larry. Thanks for having us. So, you know, both of you are general managers at Very Well. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about, how you're, about your roles, about how you split the GM responsibilities. Yeah, so um, I'm the general manager of Very Well Health, which is our medical condition-focused property. Um, and, you know, I have uh, basic responsibility over all our editorial and product experience and work very closely with our uh, revenue team as well. And uh, I oversee Very Well Fit, Very Well Family, Very Well Mind. Uh, so I manage the content and business strategies for those areas. And I'm a registered dietitian by trade. So I've worked in healthcare systems and, um, you know, translate kind of nutrition and health questions that people have in the world into online answers you could trust at Very Well. Terrific. You know, let's, let's jump right in. Um, you know, in talking prior to this, podcast, um, we talked a little bit about the importance of empathy. So Rob, I'd like to throw this to you. Tell us a little bit about the use of empathy in health and wellness related content, and specifically how it's evolved over the last nine months since we've all been dealing with this pandemic. Well, Larry, I think, you know, empathy is definitely something that uh, has become more and more important as time has gone gone by um, within this pandemic. Um, but you know, to to take a step back, I mean, you know, very well is is uh, only four years old at this point. And when we launched very well, we were very focused on uh, a few things. Um, one was making sure that we had uh, the fastest sites with the um, another was making sure that we had the least uh, amount of ad density. And the third was making sure that we had uh, the best content. And when you think about, you know, the first two, meaning fastest sites uh, and, and lowest uh, ad density in, in, in our competitive landscape, it's about having the best user experience. And then when you're talking about the best content, we kind of thought about that in, in, in a few different ways, right? One was making sure that our content was really uh, accurate and credible because in the health space without that, you have nothing. Um, but in addition to accuracy and empathy, we, uh, accuracy and credibility, we thought that empathy was a really, really important part of who we wanted to be as a brand, something that we thought was going to differentiate us in the market. So empathy is really something that uh, we've been focused on from the very beginning. Um, and it's something that has gotten more and more important uh, as time has gone on. Uh, to that point, empathy is something which in health content, um, I don't want to say it's new, but certainly we didn't see it as much as we've seen it recently and you know, specifically with Very Well's content. Uh, tell, tell me a little bit about that. Why, why the shift towards empathy over the last couple of years? Um, why had that been missing? Was it basically just that people wanted straight information and that emotional component was kind of left out or was there something else going on? I think there was a perception in, in, uh, um, in, in the industry that in order for content to be medical content to be deemed accurate and credible, it, it couldn't be empathetic or interesting. And, and 
And that's where, um, you know, we wanted to come in and show that those two things weren't mutually exclusive. There could be content in health that was accurate, incredible, and empathetic as well. Um, and, you know, I think that's something that we've worked on over the past few years to be able to demonstrate that that's the case. I mean, our, our content is incredibly, is incredibly credible. We, we um, demonstrate on each page uh, how, you know, it's written, often written by a medical professional, um, almost always uh, reviewed um, by a, a, a board certified physician. Um, so, you know, we, we definitely have the accuracy and credibility piece, and we've been able to demonstrate over time that uh, empathy is, is um, possible and should be expected uh, as well. It should be expected by readers that content is uh, empathetic. To that end, I know that Very Well has done some research underlining the need for more empathetic content. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. What were some of the sur uh, surprising findings? Um, what are some of the most important takeaways? Well, yeah, so uh, um, about a year or so ago, before this pandemic started, we conducted uh, an ethnographic um, study, which is qualitative, and it focuses on um, observations of people's interactions. Uh, and, and in our case, it was focused on when people were um, searching for health topics on the internet. And um, some of the key findings that we, that, uh, we discovered were that more than 80% of, of people that were embarking on a search um, related to a health topic um, had some type of negative emotions uh, as they were um, kind of embarking on their journey uh, to, to, to solve their, their issue. Um, so what we discovered also as part of that is that there was an opportunity um, for health publishers to be able to kind of flip the mindset of, of, the, of the user there, turn that negative experience into a positive and there were a few different markers that uh, we landed on that would help to drive uh, the, that switch from negative to positive emotions. Um, and we, we found those to be, you know, ease of navigation. Are you the experience that you're landing on? Is it possible for you to move around from place to place in an intuitive nature? Another was, uh, was the information relevant? The, the information that you were coming into, was it relevant to, to your query? And then uh, the, the third factor was trust, right? Is the, the information that you're looking at, was it from a credible source? Was it trustworthy? And then the last was empathy. Did people, did, did the content really speak to me uh, as a human? So we, so what we realized was, you know, as people are entering in, in, in this kind of negative state of mind, the, that ability there is to actually change them into having a positive experience um, through consumption of, of, of the content. And then what we also realize is that once you're able to, to, to do that, once you're able to kind of flip that person's mindset from negative to positive, that was the opportunity for them to actually take, uh, to take action. You know, people that were in that positive state of mind were the ones that wanted to actually drive some type of a, of a, of a positive action, whether that was um, visiting a doctor, texting a doctor, uh, adhering to their medication routine, um, so that's, you know, that's what we found. And, you know, as when you look at today, I mean, this, this study was done before the pandemic. So when you think about people that are embarking on searches right now, um, in a, in a negative state of mind, that can only have increased right now. When you think about the stress that are in people's lives with the pandemic, with the uncertainty of, of the election, um, you know, it's, it's, it's only a bigger issue now than it was then. 
Absolutely. Um, Rachel, what, what Rob just said about the opportunity for health publishers to turn negative experiences into positive ones, how, how has that kind of uh, presented itself during the COVID era? Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, from your perspective, how some of the learnings have, in, you know, have kind of come into play over the last nine months or so. Yeah, Larry, I mean, the way that we look at and create content really needed to also evolve when the pandemic started. You know, one small example is that we typically work with writers to create content on a monthly basis. And all of a sudden there's this new terminology and all this uncertainty and um, medical information on a disease that was largely un unknown. So in the beginning, we really were working on um, rapid creation and updating up a lot of like, like, basic explainer type content. What is a pandemic? And really putting that into perspective for the reader in this moment of time. Another you know, example I was just thinking of is that we had to create content on what is social distancing and really um, how people can um, implement that in their day-to-day -day lives. A lot of what very well does, a lot of what Rob talks about is really just putting everything into perspective for the reader in the moment in time, which can help um, you know, significantly from a mental health standpoint versus just um, speaking to someone, right? It's really speaking about them. I mean, the human experiences as it relates to coronavirus really continues to evolve. People, um, everyone's uh, experience is also different while we're going through kind of the same thing. Everyone's experiencing it very differently. So we are you know sure to address that one example is on very well family um, in you know kind of the beginning of the pandemic a lot of the information was that explainer type content that I was discussing how to talk to your child about the pandemic um, how to you know make them not feel like they did something wrong because they can't see their friends things of that nature and you know every summer is a time where we really focus on back to school content and here's a year where we have no idea what back to school is going to look like and that uncertainty is um is you know can be really challenging from an anxiety perspective so our our role is really to you know help kind of understand help people understand all the different um, circumstances they might face and really focus on creating content around online learning or how to help empower parents who are doing homeschooling for the first time or what sending your kid back to school safely really looks like. Um, from an anxiety perspective, that's something that is very heightened. In fact, um, Google searches for anxiety symptoms from mid-March to mid-May were the highest they've been in the history of the search engine. Um, coronavirus has tripled the rate of depression in the U United States. Um, you know, obviously, you know, pandemic has caused financial uncertainty, uh, the murder of George Floyd and, and you know, racial injustices being brought to the spotlight. Um, the election, there's so many, and, you know, it's going to be daylight savings time and dark at 4.30. That can't be good for our mental health either. So that's something <laughs> that continues um, to persist throughout and is not something that's really going away. So, I, you know, I think what we've done from a brand um, is really... Um, create that through line through all of our content and really keep that reader anxiety in mind, no matter whether they're um, writing, we're writing about condition management or other lifestyle topics, um, you know, or, you know, anything about even online streaming services for fitness, which is something else that 
um, you know, is is a trend that has not really gone away. So it, it really is integrated into everything that we do, and um, ultimately to provide someone with actionable steps to feel better and take care of their health um, is a way to empower someone and also help uh, with some of that mental health concerns as well. Uh, how challenging was that? You know, the fact that you know. First, you know, you were explaining something that's brand new, concepts that are brand new, behaviors that are brand new, and then so much that kind of cascaded from out of that. Um, how, how tough was that as a content creator to to walk that line, to, you know, not overfeed information, but at the same time, be as up to date with everything that's going on in the world, as I would imagine most, uh, most you know, very well content consumers want you to be? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think that for us, it was, um, kind of fulfilling in in a way because a lot of us are it's a very shared experience right um and it's really at the root of what empathy is and for all of us we kind of wanted to see this content and kind of wanted to talk to experts for for our own um knowledge and for our own and and health and and <laughs> for that you know but but also really making sure that we do address the the individual circumstances of the people um, who are coming to the site. So I think, you know, it was it was definitely a shift um, for us in how we created content because we really um, were living it um, and are still living it. Um, but by the same token, it's something that I think has actually been quite therapeutic for our, our editorial team in, in a way um, to be able to speak to our 30 million readers a month um, in in a way that is really human and um, really is from a place of truth. And just just to piggyback on that, on what Rachel was saying, uh, you know, I think the evolution, I think it, it evolved quite naturally, actually, from going to, you know, one of our highest traffic articles in the beginning was like, what is a pandemic? Um, and what's the difference between a pandemic and an epidemic? you know, it, it evolved quite naturally as far as pe when people started to actually understand what these topics were and, and the, the, that content was readily available on the internet, it moved quite naturally into more specific kind of dealing with this new reality that we're in um, and how do we create content that are going to help to coach people through that, um, that transition. Uh, it was just one of those things that you know, uh, as Rachel said, it was therapeutic for our team also to be trying to answer the questions that we all had also, but just to kind of shift in that mindset to be able to to move a little further down um, into some niche niche topics about how to handle specific things that came up. Um, one of the things I found so uh, so impressive about Very Well's content over the last couple of months is that it, I think you hit the tonality right. Um, tell me a little bit about some of the decisions there um you know how do you kind of how do you, how do you toe that line you know you want sort of a matter of fact tone and straight information but also you want some of the empathy in there um tell me a little bit about how that balance was affected yeah i mean that's really rooted in um in how we've worked with our writers and our editors over the years um everything is based in um science backed information first. We want to obviously be human, but we're not a place where you'll find a lot of user-generated content or long-form um, essays from one point of view from someone who doesn't necessarily have 
um, some kind of deep experience or expertise in a topic. So that's, you know, that basically straightforward science fact information is kind of the root. And then um, it's really about considering the emotional state of the person who's coming to the article. Um, they don't want to read a medical textbook. I mean, I think Rob talked a lot about this. Um, and I think it's just been heightened a lot during coronavirus that people need kind of real real takeaways that are could be applicable to their lives to their individual circumstances and so that is something that we weave into every single article um, at the end of um, most of our content you'll find a word from very well which um, really is um, our bottom line right putting everything into perspective for the reader so that they don't um, leave our site feeling worse than when they got there you know, I, I mean, I like that word from very well, just simply because it uh, it kind of personalizes it in a way, you know, um, you know, it wraps it up in a way that's sort of warm. I'm not sure if warm is the right word, but that's the way it sort of feels. Um, and I think that's important because there's so much new that's been coming in terms of the information that's been shared. Th tell me a little bit about that. You already addressed some of the anxiety and the mental health challenges related to COVID. But, um, you know, all of a sudden telemedicine is a thing for a lot of people when it wasn't before. Um, work-life balance is very, very different than it was back in February. Uh, tell me a little bit about how integrating that new material has worked for, for very well. Yeah, I mean, I think that we um, we closely are, I mean, obviously we've talked about we're all living this, right? But everyone is facing different things. So we are closely watching trends of um, what people are really doing and the actions that they're taking online and what they're really searching for. And um, we make sure that we address the content um, to reflect that. So, you know, you mentioned telemedicine. I mean, you know, this is something that um, people needed to go to out of necessity. Um, and I think it's definitely something that is going to continue because it's convenient in a lot of cases. And it's something that, you know, people might turn to for regular, um, you know, more regular management of conditions or um, mental health conditions. And so for us, um, you know, we really want to make sure that like we don't necessarily provide that service. So we want to make sure that we can connect our readers with the help that they need in the moment. So um, that's, you know, something that's really important to us too, helping our readers take the next step um, when we can't um, be everything to everyone, and that's fine. Um, you know, a great example is like I mentioned before, online streaming workout services. We certainly, um, you know, reviewed uh, those services and re-reviewed them during the time of coronavirus, and and um, made sure that everyone's aware of the, you know, what was the new options that popped up. Uh, due to the fact that everyone is trying to work at at home and making sure that we're only recommending the best services based on our expert review. So, you know, it's a lot of, um, you know, looking, obviously closely watching what people are interested in, closely watching what we're interested in, and then making sure we reflect that for our readers. Rob, some of the things that we've been talking about, both in terms of, you know, some of the new that came with COVID, some of the um, empathy concerns that we talked about earlier, what, what does that tell you about the future of health news? What does very well take away as sort of a longer term trends? And, you know, I'm not asking you to predict the future because it changes every three hours nowadays, but what, what are some of the things that you're looking out for um, going forward? 
Well, I, I think for us, I mean, the, the, the timeliness of the topics that we're covering are def is definitely important. Um, but then also, um, for sure, it's putting these things into context. You know, a, a, lot, a lot of time is spent by people just actually looking at headlines um, and, and trying to draw their own inferences from there. But what we think is really important is going out of our way to to explain not only what the you know the 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 truth is behind the headline, but also providing context and as far as what the reader should take away um, from a, say a particular study or uh, or or, uh, or or um or an outcome that that they might be interested in. So like for instance, um, you know some of the things that we're covering. Are around, I think uh, I've I've mentioned before. Like one of the articles that we've covered is, um, you know, that in July the EPA announced that there were two um, Lysol disinfectants that were uh, approved for um, uh, killing the the virus that causes COVID on contact. And what we wanted to point out for our readers is like that didn't mean that you needed to go through your uh, you know your cabinets and throw away every other uh, disinfectant. Um, what we wanted to make sure that what we wanted to make sure that people knew is yes, these two disinfectants were the first two that were um, tested and approved by the EPA specifically for this purpose. That doesn't mean that those are the only two. This means that they were the first two and they were approved to, to work, um, and that there would be additional disinfectants that were going to be tested in the future. So there was no reason for people to panic and run out and buy only these two specific disinfectants. So that's just an example, but that's you know the way that we want to approach covering news content, especially related to to COVID. Yes, we'll cover the study. We'll tell you exactly what that means, but we're also going to break it down for you and make sure that you're aware of um, any you know defining any terms that are used, and then also making sure that we you know always include that what it means for you piece as far as providing the context needed to really be able to um, learn and 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 act on the information that we're presenting. Um, I, I think that example you gave with the disinfectants is, is actually a perfect example. The need for context. Why, why has it been historically that, you know, it's been, okay, let's just present the next piece of news and not actually frame it in a way so that the news is not only useful, but also, you know, especially in a situation like this, not terrifying. Um, how important is that context piece? I, I think it's really important, and I'm not sure why, you know, it's something that historically hasn't been covered uh, in the in the industry. I just know from, you know, from our perspective, it's something that is very consistent with who we are as a brand. You know, we want to make sure that we're presenting people with the information that they need um, in an accurate, credible, empathetic way, but also allows people to actually take, um, to digest and learn the content that we're, that we're presenting to them and be able to actually uh, act on it. And, and, um, without the context piece, it's very hard to be able to take away that kind of nugget that's going to allow people to to apply whatever it is that they're reading about to to their lives. Um, and that's something that we need to you know continue to do um, as a as a brand. And it's something that we think is going to be really useful for our readers. Um, certainly, the way news is delivered is similarly evolving. Um, talk a little bit about that. Um, how, how has very well pivoted its plans to kind of keep up with those changes and, in fact, stay ahead of them? Well, in, in terms of distributing our, our, our news content, I mean, we're, you know, we we feature it 
everywhere on our site, whether it's uh, on our on our homepage or or we're we're sharing it on social and we're sending it in emails and we're also you know connected to various um, aggregator platforms like Flipboard and Apple News and things like that. I mean, it's it's important for us to make sure that we're actually getting our our news content out whether it's on our platform or not, we just want people to be able to see it and benefit from it. Um, and, you know, the, the more people that are exposed to it, in our opinion, the better that's, that, uh, that will be. Um, Rachel, you know, just as the health and wellness publishing world never had, has never dealt with something like COVID before, I think what we saw this summer, you know, with the death of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and so many others, it's shown a spotlight on diversity and inclusion and specifically on health inequity. Um, t- tell, me, tell me a little bit about that, about how the health and wellness world's early approach to uh, diversity and inclusion maybe wasn't as effective as anybody you know, would have liked. Yeah, I mean, I think that the truth of the matter is, is that there are groups um, that are overlooked or underrepresented in health. And, you know, an example is how people talk about skin conditions, but might ignore the fact that a condition looks different depending on skin color or um, information that might be generalized in some in a condition like diabetes where we know the black population over indexes for, for diabetes, so might need additional and specific support in the moment when looking for information on that topic. I mean, another example is, um, you know, black children are less likely to be properly diagnosed with ADHD, but untreated ADHD has far reaching effects past past, um, just the diagnosis on self-esteem and on social functioning and on career um, and happiness in general. So, you know, I think for for us, you know, it, it's not enough just to implement changes to um, address uh, some potentially unconscious bias in our content, but we wanted to make it very clear to the public what we were doing um, so that they could hold us accountable. And so in June, Barry Well published our anti-racism pledge, um, very public pledge you can find from the footer of our sites that highlights specific um very specific goals that we wanted to achieve by the end of the year that we are achieving um, that uh, address this unconscious bias in our content and make sure that we're you know properly representing all races in in our content. Um, one example of that is we uh, one of our pledges is to review at least fifty percent of our traffic by the end of the year to ensure that it eliminates unconscious bias and addresses some of the health inequities that I was just referring to. And we spun up what um, what we call our anti-bias review board. So on top of reviewing our content for medical accuracy, we also have an additional layer of review uh, to review our content for for these very very significant issues. And um, you know, these people who are reading our content have um, explicit experience in this. Um, the program is run by someone with a PhD in sociolinguistics. Um, so the goal is to really to really not only address health inequities and in the content on very well, but to make it very public what we're doing. I mean, I think that's one thing that very well has done, you know, very well, excuse the pun there. Um, you know, the review board, the pledge, um, how, how important is that need for transparency? I mean, certainly the company's actions, you know, speak to that, but wh- why has it sort of been one of these things that 
kind of flares up and then goes back and flares up again whenever there's another incident. Why hasn't health and wellness done a better job of sort of staying consistent about the need for transparency and accountability? I mean, I think that's that's a great point. I think that we could all be doing better. Um, I think that that's just kind of for us, it's it really is not something that's um, flaring up and going away. Uh, as I mentioned, we've you know established this whole board that is really ingrained in our editorial processes. Um, and, you know, I think the transparency of it all, not only for this, but, you know, how we create content and in general, um, is really important in, in the health field in particular. And, uh, you know, I can't speak to, to why other, you know, other brands or other people, I mean, I think other brands have done a good job. Um, but I think it's really important to specifically outline the steps that you're taking so that you can be held accountable. And that's something that's really important for us and is not going away. And we're going to continue to update our pledges and, and um, continue to set goals against, against some of those initiatives. Last question. I'd love to get both of your takes on this. Um, it's the old crystal ball question with, again, the caveat I mentioned before about, you know, the future being impossible to predict. But um, if we're having a conversation like this again a year from now. Um, how do you think very well will continue to have evolved its product, um, its DNI initiatives, and everything else? Um, what are what are some of the immediate items on both of your to do lists? For me, mental health is really at the forefront. I really want to ensure that um, that continues to be integrated, and we're really providing tools and services for people to get the help they need in the moment. Um, as I mentioned, you know, I think something that's you know, a, a bright spot is that the stigma around um, getting help for mental health condition is something that has um, decreased significantly. And I hope uh, to continue to position Very Well Minds as an authoritative uh, place for, for um, actionable uh, mental health advice. Rob, how about on your end? Yeah, so I think um, I, I think that the we we touched on telehealth a little bit earlier. Uh, I think that telehealth is something that was coming, um, and the pandemic has kind of accelerated the adoption of that. And I don't think that that is anything that's going to slow down at any point in the future. So I think we're going to be doing what we can to make um, content to let people know. Um, how they can best take advantage of telehealth. Um, you know, there might be some use cases that people aren't aware of as far as, you know, moving away from just that that service where that's very obvious as far as, um, you know, maybe the the mom who uh, whose son might have just been exposed to poison ivy and trying to figure out if there's, uh, you know, something that can be done very quickly for that, like, you know, those those first aid types of, of issues that are very obvious. But, you know, there might be some use cases as far as telehealth in managing chronic conditions um, that we'll be able to support people to make sure that they're able to figure that out. So telehealth is definitely something um, that we're going to be leaning into. Rob, Rachel, I can't thank you enough for joining us here today. This was a great education for me. And uh, thank you for sharing what Very Well has been doing over the last nine months and uh, what Very Well will be doing over the next nine months and beyond. Um, let's chat again soon. Thanks, Larry. It's been a pleasure. Right. Thanks, Larry. Thanks for having us.
And that was the sponsored MM&M podcast with Very Well. I'm Larry Dobrow, MM&M's executive editor. Many thanks for joining us and please join us again soon. Be well. Thank you.